shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Yes, for the samples, because seasonal allergies are no joke in the state of Tennessee. Or Kentucky, where I spend the summers at Hopetown. I spend most of the summer outdoors and could not function without allergy relief. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. You just described my exact state in waking up minus the need for coffee. (laughs) I've been taking Claritin D for my allergies for years, and it's been an absolute life changer. I can be outside with the kids at camp without my eyes watering like a fountain, and I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. But at Hopetown, a frog could jump into your boat or your bed, (laughs) and Claritin can't really help with that. That's true, but they've got allergies covered. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Hey friends, welcome to the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. I'm Sissy Goff. And I'm David Thomas. And I'm Melissa Trevathan. And we're so glad you joined us for this conversation. Let's dive in. Catherine and Jay Wolf are communicators and advocates. They leverage their redemptive story to encourage those with broken bodies, broken brains, and broken hearts. Engaging both faith-based and secular communities, they seek to bridge the gap between those disabled on the outside and those disabled on the inside with the hope that Jesus brings healing to the deepest pains we all carry. They currently reside here in Atlanta with their two sons, James and John. So Please excited to have Catherine Jane and Jane Catherine. Uh, it's really, it's really sweet. I feel like my my phone has been blowing up in the last hour because I, we know half the people in this room. It's, <laughs> it's really sweet. Hi, friends. We're so Good glad you're you. here. Are, I was I was kind of worried though. Y'all are thinking, wait, we've heard you a lot already. Why did we come out during a hurricane to hear the wolves again? <laughs> God, well, we needed some Atlanta. No, no, that celebrity. is the other thought. It was like, oh no, my gosh, kidding. this is Thanks so what a letdown. <laughs> no, we no. live here. Hey, but what about I mean, David and Sissy? Aww. Just give it up because they're incredible. They're incredible. You and we too. feel like we know each other so well, but we've really only been in person like two or three times. So it's just, it's a real treat to get to be with you. It is so true. We love it. And yes. if you aren't already friends with these two amazing people, you will be in a few minutes. If you get within a hundred mile radius of the two of us, you're going to hear about these two remarkable humans because we love 
Aww. respect and enjoy them so much. Mm. But if you happen to have not had the great privilege of being in a room or hearing from them, would you all just tell us a little bit about your story? Yeah, um, it feels silly because a lot of y'all are all sweet friends, but maybe not everyone. Um, so in a super quick Reader's Digest version, um, I grew up completely, typically able-bodied, no health problems, no family history, no medical history, no indication anything was the matter. But as a 26-year-old new mom to baby James, who's 15 now and in the room, and um, as a, a new young wife, newlyweds, um, I had a massive brainstem stroke and very nearly died. It took about two years to recover to a baseline where I relearned to eat, speak, walk, and um, have faced just tremendous deficits since then. That was April 21st, 2008. And now it's been 15 years. And in that time, um, there's been just a lot of drama and a lot of hard living, broken bones, um, bad, bad falls on the discovery of a brain aneurysm and some subsequent other brain issues. My brain is very much malformed is the, about the best the doctors can tell me so far. It's some sort of rare neurological condition and yeah, it's been, it's been really rough, and it's also been wonderful. The Lord has been so good to us. We've gone on to have another baby who's also here, John, somewhere in the room. He's at the book table, which I'm a little embarrassed, but he loves to sell books. So <laughs> I you know. We're like, all right, get out right. there. Love it. That's right. <laughs> Fix the iPad. It's not working. He's, he's really good. But he's eight, and he's, he's kind of the arc, um, redemptive arc to our story, and we don't always get to see those in stories, in hard stories. And so it's just, you know, we, we can't believe we get to be here still, just as a family, doing this uh, with our life, like remembering the worst things and the best things and being hopeful then for the things still to come. Um, so, man, we're just, we're overwhelmed every single time. So, yeah, love, love it. Love, love that we're here in this moment. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So much of who y'all are and what you share about is redemptive. And the fact that you, there, y'all have done so many things. And we're going to hopefully talk about a lot of them. But one of them is you have a camp now called Hope Heals. And we all talk a little bit about that and maybe even a favorite story from the summer. And we're both trying to figure out how we can come. I mean, camp is the coolest thing in the world, pretty mm -hmm. much. It is this bizarre, I mean, we really stumbled upon this because the Lord did it, it wasn't us. So even the blind squirrels find an acorn now and then. <laughs> and uh, and um, basically families from around the country and now Canada, the UK and France wow. um, come to rural Alabama in July, which is crazy, and um, <laughs> it's totally free. We bring families where someone is disabled and the entire family unit, if, if they like, to Alabama and have this vacation-like experience um, 
in a camp week. And it is, for most families who come, the only vacation they've ever had in their lives. Uh, most are financially incredibly strapped because they spend all their money trying to get their loved ones well. Um, their options are extremely limited. Their access is just unbelievably limited. And what we as believers really felt called to do was to speak into the disability community with the hope of Jesus and with a deep sense of belonging, which is so missing, is you feel so isolated when you have disabilities and you can't be in the world or be in the room. And we wanted to create a space where you do belong and you can sit with us at the table and we're gonna tell you about the real hope here. And just hopefully our prayer is to really infuse um, all manner of people with disabilities on the inside and the outside with um, the redemptive hope of Jesus healing the deepest wounds, which is our soul. Yeah, yeah I think we've kind of realized sacred spaces are what we're creating. Um, and we can talk a, 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 a little bit about the next sacred space we're creating in Atlanta, which we're so uh, just thrilled about and in the That's thick of right true. now. But I think um, when you feel like the world is not made for you, of course you feel invisible. Of course you don't feel like you belong. And I think we all can feel that way, right? And so that's how we relate to this story of disability and so such a deep way because it's the story of being human, <laughs> of not being fully able to live the life or the story you thought you would be able to live. And, um, and so what we try to create is a space where there is a world that is made for you because you're worth it. And I think we can do that in our homes too. We can do that with our families. Um, if the world out there feels like you don't have a place, here is your place that we've made. And we've done it with excellence and beauty and intentionality, again, because you're worth that. You're worth yeah. all of this. And so many times in the disability space, it's like dumpy is the only word I can think of. It's just low level, the leftovers, the crumbs, and nothing that's like aesthetically just blow you away, beautiful, just excellent. And so we just long to, to bring that ethos to the space. And I mean, that's how Jesus was, mm -hmm. excellent in all things. And that's what we long to do. Sissy, do I have spinach in my teeth? No, you don't. But I've got it in my stomach. I had AG1 daily for lunch today. I love making an AG1 smoothie for lunch. It's so easy. And once I started, I could tell a difference in my energy and focus. That's because AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. I recommend AG1 to all my family and friends because it's formulated based on the latest science and maintains high quality standards. My family started drinking it too and they report feeling more energetic and they love getting the nutrients their body craves. We are headed to North Carolina to speak and I'm throwing the travel packs in my suitcase. It makes it so easy when we are on the road. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. 
Go to drinkag1.com slash RBG. That's drinkag1.com slash RBG. Check it out. David, did you get your taxes finished? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> what are you eating? Okay, I am obsessed with these new Chipotle barbecue kettle chips. Will you share? I would have, but they are all gone. Where'd you get them? Thrive Market. Oh, uh, how much do we love Thrive Market? I could record an entire podcast about that topic. You know who else loves Thrive Market? Patches. She loves the surf and turf meaty littles from the Honest Kitchen. I love that Patches has a surf and turf situation going on. <laughs> from pets to kids to grown-ups, everyone can find things they love at Thrive. Thrive Market is my go-to for all my grocery and household essentials. And the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to my doorstep is a huge time saver. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and I can use their on-site filters to suit my lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with a few clicks. And as a Thrive Market member, I save money on every single grocery order. On average, I save over 30% each time. They even have a deals page that changes daily and always has some of my favorite brands. David, how much did you save on your last order? I saved $32. I saved over $12.67. How much did Patches save? <laughs> a lot. She's ordering more than I am. You got me hooked on ordering frozen foods. I got salmon, bacon, and pork this month. Something else I love is when you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one -one membership matching program. You join, they give. I love that too. Save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to thrivemarket.com slash RBG for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash RBG. Thrivemarket.com slash RBG. Sissy, we just spoke in town last night and reminded the parents in the room about putting on their oxygen mask first. That great reminder that flight attendants give parents when they board flights. With summer rolling around and kids home more hours of the week than ever, that reminder feels so important. A hilarious dad who works from home told me last night at the book table that when school ends, sometimes his sanity does as well. <laughs> <laughs> you know who could help that dad out? Our friends at Wendy. Wendy is here to help parents relieve the stress in finding high-quality sitters when they need them. I am talking daily with parents who are worried about summer childcare logistics. Wendy offers a nanny service where they match college students with families for the summer. We all love summer, and your kids especially love summer, but we lose the consistent schedule of kids in school. This creates all kinds of problems. Thankfully, there is a solution to this problem. Wendy, that's W-Y-N-D-Y, is an app that connects families to college student nannies literally in minutes. These college student nannies are background checked, interviewed, and honestly just awesome. 
Wendy has been around for seven years. Over 20,000 families have used Wendy to complete more than 140,000 jobs. There are hundreds of qualified college student nannies on Wendy ready to work near you. Families have greater childcare needs in the summer and college students are looking for jobs. Wendy is here to match families to these college nannies. Everybody wins. This could be part-time or full-time. Wendy has a match for your needs. All you have to do is go to wendy.com slash rbg to start a search for a nanny. And as a special offer, they are going to knock $50 off your search if you go through that link. Wendy provides top-notch service, but at a fraction of the cost of a traditional nanny agency and no ongoing fees. Here's how it works. Go to wendy.com slash rbg to start your search. A Wendy concierge will find great matches for your job and set up interviews for you. You choose the one you like. Get started now because there are a lot of parents out there looking for nannies for the summer. Go to wyndy.com slash rbg. Well, you mentioned the sacred space in Atlanta. We wanted you to talk a little more about that. Everyone in this city and beyond, I want you to know as much as possible, even just to hear you talk more about how this idea came to fruition. Well, yeah, I mean, out of um, this experience of camp and finding this transformation that happens when we create spaces um, to belong, when we make a better table together, and then also coming out of just the the disembodied sort of era of the digital age, the COVID age, um, and just recognizing how uh, far apart we felt from so many people we loved and how, how we really couldn't, we, we can't begin to heal until we get around tables, until we get in person. And, um, and, and Catherine, when she had her stroke, didn't eat for a year due to, due to some of the um, deficits and damage. And so when she was able to eat again, there was this sense of, my gosh, I, I, was, I was just witnessing my life and the isolation and just the trauma of that. We even met in the cafeteria, so we go, we way, go way back with the eating and the tables and haven't stopped since. So it's, um, and the tacos, of course. So there's something about the table that has been uh, profound for us and for, for, for everybody as a human um, in community. So and, it's very on brand because ever since starting to eat food and drink again, because I couldn't even drink water for a year. It was just tragic. And once I started tasting coffee again <laughs> and eating treats, I mean, the party has not stopped. I just, <laughs> I just, of course we would create a coffee shop because it's an obsession. <laughs> so this idea of... Um, our friends with disabilities, like what are the what are the core needs really? And so many of them, especially if they're aging folks with disabilities, just um, they don't have any community, except maybe their aging parents and their uh, paid caregivers. And and they, dignifying work is really hard to find. Um, and again, just a place to be known and to be loved. And I think uh, for parents who have a kid with disabilities, that's some of the things that keep keep you up at night. Yeah, is just who will know my child? You know, will they have a place? And so. Oh. It feels oh, like it a, breaks your heart. Yeah, it's it's deep. It's deep stuff, and and so it feels like a drop in the bucket given the the huge need because folks with disabilities are the largest minority group in the world at about twenty percent, and that doesn't even count all the people connected to and who love them and caregivers, and so this is a huge population. Um, but what we're wanting to do with this coffee shop um, is create this sort of otherworldly space 
for folks to be employed, but also for customers of all abilities to feel like, oh my gosh, this place is made for me. I didn't even have to beg to be let in the door or have to awkwardly can't get in the bathroom or the table's too high or you know, the list goes on or I can't hear or see something. Um, we're calling this place Mend Coffee and Goods because a friend of ours named Amy Julia Becker um, told us this really profound story um, that sociologists think that when the human race first became actually civilized and kind of broke into this era of, of civilization. It wasn't when we created tools or roads or farming, but when they could find a broken bone that had been mended and healed because it meant that the community stopped what they were doing and didn't just throw out the wounded person, but that they took the time to gather around them to do the long and hard work of mending up the broken places. Mm. And I mean, that... It just still kind of gives oh, me chills yeah. to think about what it means, what it does in a community to have somebody who has been brokenhearted or in their brain or their body or their story to have a community come around them and do the work of healing. Yes. And then the ripple effects are profound. So that is, that's our hope with MEND is that it would be a place of healing in every sort of way for our city and beyond. And kind of a showcase too for what's possible. Again, with disability forward, but also design forward and an excellent food. Like it'd be a place you just want to go anyway. And on top of it, it has this mission. And so. you will want to go and a you lot. Will, you <laughs> will go. Yes. Come on down, everybody. Uh, yes. Well, when does it open and where is it going to be? Yeah. That's a good question. <laughs> it's a little delayed yeah. because that is apparently what happens It was in October 1st. Now yeah. It's it bumping a little closer at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, okay. Stay tuned. It's in, we'll um, in North Buckhead. So. And right in the thick of right in the thick of things. But M E N D mend Hope Heals Ministry now does mend. It's kind of a thing, healing, mending. I feel like that's kind of the realms that you guys are into. Yeah, it's a great place to be. Yes. So awesome. Next will be the taco truck. I'm yeah. trying yeah. to think of the right Somehow. name. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> you build, we will come. Oh. Yes, yes. And y'all have written some of our very favorite books. Hope Heals, Suffer Strong. If you all do not have those books, please go get them. They're amazing. They have one of our favorite podcasts that we talk about all the time, The Good Heart Story. We would love for y'all to say just what you hope people get from your words. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't even know if y'all know this, but next April, so it's a little ways off, we have a new book coming out. No. Yeah, based on... Just a lot of our heart around Isaiah 45.3, if you know that passage, mm -hmm. that he gives hidden treasure in darkness. Mm -hmm. So the, the title of the book is Treasures in the Dark. Wow. And it will be 90 reflections. So 30 for the hurting, 30 for the healing, and 30 for the hoping. And these reflections, oh. I think the, the subtitle is Finding Bright Hope Hidden in the Hurt. And basically, it'll be a devotional style work based on our interaction now with like a whole lot of really hurting people and just really speaking true hope, realistic, authentic hope into their stories. And so that's kind of what's coming, but um, Hope Hills was essentially our story. And Suffer Strong was essentially some lessons learned of how to live a life you didn't imagine living and how to live into the upside down kingdom of God every day. Yeah. We talked about in Suffer Strong that the absolute upending of our lives 
bizarrely allowed us to fit differently into the upside down kingdom of God. And that's how it's supposed to be. So in really feeling, you know, time to dream new dreams mm. for your life, you fit better. Yeah. And it's kind of a cool reversal that he sort of trained our brains to look at the world differently, which is exactly what y'all do. Mm. Thank you. Well, in this season of our podcast, we're talking about the ages and stages, kind of who kids are in each stage and what they need. And we love to ask you both to think back on your growing up and uh, what you might say was your favorite stage and why. But before you do, to give folks an illustration, I think we've got some photos that we are Aww. all kinds of excited to share. <laughs> Look at you two. That's so fun. Uh, holding a tooth? Yeah, I lost my first tooth. Oh, okay. Can <laughs> you not cute. see? So, so I loved a lot of stages of childhood. I was a very strange child. I, um, <laughs> I, growing in, in my elementary days, I would stand in my closet and um, give messages of hope and Jesus and justice to my dolls, which was a little <laughs> weird, but kind of translates to my adult yes, life. Yes. He did that. Just didn't know I'd be in a wheelchair. Mm. Um, but there's something very beautiful about that. So what's fourth grade stage-wise? Like yes, fourth, fourth, fourth yeah. grade Catherine mm -hmm. um, has distinct memories of suddenly waking up to, oh, I have opinions and I'm becoming my own person, different than what any community I'm in, different than my family. I have my own thoughts and voice and I'm not going to really listen as much to anybody else but to him and that was um yeah that was a pretty formative year fourth grade so I would have been how old like 10 so I think that that's mine what about you yeah. I um I moved in fourth grade, actually, from D.C. to Montgomery, Alabama. And so it was a, quite a culture shock. And um, I think it made me <laughs> who I am today. And um, I'm Enneagram 8. So there was the challenger that came out um, kind of, in, again, fighting for a place, I think, yeah. um, in that era. And, uh, and so then there was, so there, was a little bit of, there was a little bit of angst for a while and just kind of like, I don't fit here. I don't want to be here. But there was um, a season, sort of in early high school, which I'm so I'm glad I'm remembering this. So uh, just for our own kids to know that seasons change, which is a good thing about seasons. Mm. Um, but sort of just finding sort of like a the shoulders coming down, mm. not at the beginning of high school, but sort of in mid, mid high school, of just finding myself, finding some people, and finding kind of a way towards a future. Um, and then the first year of college, we met. And so that's not exactly childhood, although we might as well be. We were making childish uh, we're decisions. We yes. Yes, brains were not formed. <laughs> it was really some stupid stuff that uh, <laughs> happened, but God was gracious, and we met each other. And so, um, you know, sort of just, yeah, that season is so fond and dear, and it's really it's sweet to get to now see our sons entering into that. Um, it's really hopeful. So. Mm -hmm. Well, you kind of answered this already, but just curious when you feel like you started to see who you are today beginning to emerge. Well, it is so crazy um, because 
many of the things I see in my, I'm 41. So now I kind of feel like maybe I'm getting to be an adult. <laughs> and I see very clear things in my childhood that the Lord was very much waking me up to my calling in life, but I never in a million years would have thought those callings would be utilized from a wheelchair being fully disabled. And the Lord was saying, that is why, that is how, that is the means. So I very much see, um, yeah, just a desire to communicate, um, a deep sense of justice has always been a part of my life. I mean, why? I don't know. Um, just a very deep sense of the comfort of the Lord, which is so precious because I would need it so terribly um, for so long before, you know, it would be several years before I could possibly read scripture again. But I knew a lot of scripture in my head and my heart. Um, that's very special. And I, pretty much my childhood years were, in retrospect, spent preparing me for my life, wow. which is true for all of us, yeah. that yes. yeah. we are all being prepared for what he has prepared for us. And I very clearly see that throughout my life. And there was a lot of weird, sad, I mean, fourth grade talent show at the cool girl sleepover. <laughs> I, this is, you've heard this. I'm so glad you're saying this. I hope you will do it. So do, it any, do any of you know the Newsboys back in the day? Yes. Yeah. So I was really into the Newsboys <laughs> around third, fourth grade. And I went to the cool girl sleepover and we had a talent show. And I performed my heart out to, I'm not ashamed to let you know. I'm not ashamed to speak the name of Jesus Christ. It's like crickets. No one knew where to look. And I think that was me. I was just a little bit bold. I love it. Unafraid. I don't know. <laughs> Still going. How about you? That's awesome. Still bold and unafraid. Um, I think. And I was going to see, she, she does something called the Jesus rap. And so, I don't know. Maybe we'll save that for the, the after show. That her mom yeah. wrote for her and that she would perform in other cool girl <laughs> talent shows. No! <laughs> it's really a big hit. Anyway, all right. I think, um, again, that formative shift in about fourth grade mm -hmm. for me, I think I realized um, uh, family was home and not a location and not a place and that there was going to be things that, you know, I was going to have to let go of early on. And so that's kind of a sad uh, reality, but also I think it um, made me okay with, with new... Uh, environments, changes, and, and then we actually did the same thing to our <laughs> poor kids, so I feel bad now that I think of it, but we just, you know, you do what you have to do, and then you have empathy for your parents of like, oh, okay, that's, you know, you were making this decision in a way that felt so catastrophic uh, to my third grade heart, you know, and and there was some ripple effects that were, that were transformational, but I think for me, um, that era just kind of gave me a different vision of not necessarily having to fit into the status quo, of a community and then uh, I went to law school later and so and then uh, became an advocate as Catherine went through her stroke and and it just sort of sh all, brought all those things together of just kind of here's the way I know what needs to be done I know how to I know how to help and I'm not afraid to you know do what's required to 
to get these things done. So um, that really started, though, back in that yeah eight eight year old experience. That was really that was really hard. Mm. Now we did it to our kids, basically. <laughs> so <laughs> it was clearly. Uh, hopefully, it works out better for them. <laughs> sure. Well, and speaking of your kids, you mentioned you have two remarkable sons that we have had the joy of meeting and getting to know, and they are in different stages, elementary school to high school. Oh, yeah. So thinking about your journey of parenting, what's been your favorite stage so far and why? Mm, it, it is wild. So we have a 15-year-old who's here and an 8-year-old who's here. So it is, um, it's weird. I'm, I'm, I mean, I go to the upper school mommy events, and I'm the, usually the youngest mother of a high schooler, but then I go to the lower school events, and I'm the oldest mother with all these 25-year-olds. <laughs> I don't live anywhere. Um, so it's, it's been weird. Um, it's been precious to see their different lives. Obviously, massive gap between and no other siblings in between, so their bond is very special and deep. Um, I, I mean, Jamesy, I love the season you're in now, dude. Don't mishear me. But I think something about like the, the 11, 12-year-old stage was really precious before mm. they're teenagers. <laughs> I, feel, I feel bad saying that. Teenagers are amazing, too. This is raising uh, boys and girls. When they get to be teens, it's like you're yeah, on your sorry. own. <laughs> it is uh, it's a new world. I think, yeah, like right now, and that's not to just sound trite, but it really is... Um, it's beautiful to watch James, our 15-year-old, become sort of more of a, um, a friend is not the right word, but just uh, we're, we're kind of on a level where we can have conversations that are, mm. that are deeper and they're, they're interesting. And then um, eight-year-old is just about as cute as it gets. I mean, he just, you know, again, articulate and the world is opening up. Um, so, and then I'll, I'll flip it. The hardest season, also probably right now. Right now. So <laughs> there's that. Uh, yeah. we, we talk about the good and hard a lot. So I think um, recognizing and honoring both of those things in every season. But I think this one, it's been hard. I mean, it's, uh, we tell Jimmy, our 15-year-old, this is the farthest our parenting journey has thus come. <laughs> we have no experience parenting anybody your age or beyond. So or please be gracious today. with <laughs> us because yeah. we don't know. Yeah. Uh, we've never yeah. done this before. So. Right. And uh, by the time John gets up, we'll be like, we forgot what we learned. Right. <laughs> so yeah. we're starting over again. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and now we're old and we can't remember anything. But, um, but yeah, I think um, it's hard for different reasons. Even um, we transitioned to a new school this year. And, and for our 15-year-old, it's been a revelation. And I think for our 8-year-old, too. But it was the 8-year-old, it, it, was, it was a hard transition. Um, and there were some dots that were connected to say sometimes we make decisions that are for our whole family and not just for an individual. And, um, you know, we, we're, we're trying to figure out how to explain that to John, who feels like there's a lot of loss um, in having to let go of a season he didn't really want to let go of yet. And um, even we moved homes, too. And so, you know, it's just it's been it's been a lot of sort of living in that tension with them. Um, so anyway, good and hard. All of it right now. 
Will you say the state? I know we talked about this the last time y'all were on our podcast. But will yeah. you say the statement you say to them in the mornings? Do you still say it? Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah speaking of good heart, I just I feel like I would love to hear y'all say that every day. For oh, the rest yes. of my well, life. This is the one we say at bedtime. I think is the at one bedtime. you're referring to. Okay. We, I mean, we say things in the morning too, but we'll spare you <laughs> that song. <laughs> <laughs> we say other things. That's true. <laughs> Um, Before they go to bed at night, every night of their lives, um, we have said what we needed to hear when we were kids and what we pray that that we're honestly preaching to our own hearts every night too. And that's James and John Wolf. God made you to do the hard thing in the good story that he's writing in your life. Mm because it's hard, life is hard, and you can do hard things. And ultimately, it's a good story that Mm. God is writing, and one day you'll see all the pieces of your hard life will make sense, because that's the only story God can write. Mm. It's good, you just start saying it to your kids. You can take it if you want. It's good stuff, yeah. It is good stuff. Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay, we want to ask you, what's the best parenting advice you've been given? I, well, I don't know if it's necessarily advice in these words, but I've really taken to this concept that you have got to instill in your children that everybody has something. It's not just them, whatever it is. Whether it's the kid that has the learning challenge or the kid with a physical disability or an eating disorder or whatever. Everybody's got something. Don't. Maybe they're not in the season of their something. And you really have to narrate that to children, I think. I mean, y'all are the experts. I have no idea. But for... <laughs> but I really don't, but that makes a lot of sense to me yes. is to really yes. just make it We've all got stuff. Everybody's in and out of seasons of hard things. And maybe she's not in one right now, but she's going to be soon enough. And now it's your turn. And just really get comfortable that we're all dealing with a lot of stuff. And um, kind of starting with the baseline of, I mean, it's really nice because it's a little bit built into the, the stuff our family's made of is life is hard. And don't live under the illusion that everything's going to be perfect, because it's not. And even those of us wonderful American parents who are not wanting to instill that in our children, everything in the entire world is telling that to them, that it's going to be perfect because you're awesome. And no one's saying, like, it's actually going to be really hard. And everybody's going through really hard stuff all the time, even in the Western world, right where you are right now. All is not well. And I just think that is so important. Yeah. I think I, I, our hope would be to, to instill compassion in our kids in a way that draws them to run towards suffering rather than away from it. Mm. Towards their own suffering and being real and authentic about their own pain and wounds, but also, and more importantly, even to the world outside of them. And, um, you know, so often we just, we instinctively run away or it's like, I've already got my own stuff. So I I don't, you know, I can't take on anybody else's, but we, we've seen that that is what heals the world Mm -hmm. (laughs) when we start to run towards each other's pain and and the weight of the world then is uplifted off all of our shoulders when we do that. 
And um, I think for me, I love that you mentioned Kelly Corrigan earlier, even just the title for book, um, Tell Me More. So. Yeah poignant and so helpful and i think for me and my personality i'm used to just saying here's let me let me tell you what you should have learned or what you're really thinking uh and so to say hey i want to hear your i want to hear how your story is being written in your heart right now tell me more about that and listening um now that said sometimes i for me intimacy with, with my child or wife is just to talk it out and if there's conflict i'm ready i like it I feel like we're going to get some stuff worked out. We're going to go deep. I mean, it's she, so She feels exhausting. the opposite. She doesn't love it. She does not love this Oh, my gosh. Talk. The challenger um, is so intense. And we parent very differently. So just if you have a, a, a spouse that has a different brain, which we all do, or parents or thinks about raising kids differently, that's us. So you're in good company. And yep. uh, we, we're navigating that still. But... But sometimes yeah, and we need therapy all the time because <laughs> do. we have hard times. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, um, I think what's going to come is going to be bigger and better than the sum of our individual parenting parts. Please, in, Lord, um, yes. Yes, that's the hope. That but is I think the hope. Some, Tell the story you're, real you're quick. You're continuing. Though. I'm trying to answer my question. Oh if you just give me one <laughs> more second, I'll be done. You can talk again. You see, you see. <laughs> um, sometimes say, tell me more and mm. talk it out and go back and forth. And then some, there, was, there were some times this summer where uh, we realized, especially with a very tired teen, with a lot of, uh, a lot of chemical things happening inside, in head and heart, uh, to say, we're done. You can have a, here's a cookie. Go take a shower, go to bed. Don't come out of that room. We're not talking, no, I don't want to know anymore. Don't tell me anymore. We're going to talk tomorrow. And so that's been a good, that's been helpful to know when sort of is the time to say, let's talk it out more and you tell me more and then like, no more, no more. (laughs) Tell me no more. Um, So again, still learning. You taught me that. Thank you. You taught me that. Yes. I was going to say one of the most powerful things for us all in teaching our children is teaching them that they don't have to get over things mm-hmm. as much as they carry them as tools in their backpack through life. Yeah. That's been such a shift for me. It's like, oh, come on, get over it, move on, let's not dwell. But instead, like, actually, this is something you get to live with and carry with you, and it's a part of you now. And I, I forget what it's from, maybe Sheryl Sandberg's book or something. Um, that you never move on. That's not a thing. I mean, when terrible suffering hits, there's no option of moving on. You can, in fact, move forward after major trauma and hardships. And with a Jesus-infused worldview, you can move forward very powerfully. You do have capacity for hard things. But there is the sense of it's coming with you. There's no notion of getting over things there will be lifelong sorrow, and that is okay. God is there too and can handle it. And that's, once again, thinking that I would have loved to have when I was a child, and that my parents were awesome, but that wasn't something instilled necessarily. But I'm trying to, James and John. (laughs) You certainly are. Do you see why we love these two people so much? Yeah. Yes, thank you, please. Did you love today's episode? If so, would you mind sharing it with a friend? 
send a quick text or email with the link to the show. Join us next time for another episode where we'll bring you help and hope on your journey of raising boys and girls. 